Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. everybody. How y'all doing? Anybody coming here with high levels of faith and expectancy? Come on. That's awesome. Well, I'm excited. Uh, We've been excited for this for a long time now. I get to introduce someone who's very important to my life and the life of Overflow Church. Um, I'm excited to introduce Steve Backlund here in just a moment, but I I just want to tell you real quickly a little bit about my background with him. Um, Ten years ago, I was his intern at BSSM, and that year changed my life. As a matter of fact, when I was a student in first and second year, I took a class with Steve called CLAP, which was Church Leadership and Planting. And when I was in that class first year, I took that class for for what it was about, about planting churches and leadership. But I, I decided I need to take it a second year, not because of the subject, but because of the man, because I, I got to experience what he carries and what he releases, and I needed more of that. And so the Lord was, he was super generous and gracious to me um, to allow me to intern with him for a whole year. And he became a spiritual father in my life and in Jessica's life. And, uh, and, and he's, he's invested and imparted and, and corrected and, and helped guide us many times along the way. And we're, we're where we are now because of, largely because of what Steve has invested into our lives. And I just want to tell you guys, too, that um, I, I want to invite you to enter into my posture of heart towards Steve, that we now as a family get to together see Steve in the same way. All right, this is not just for my personal inheritance, it's for the inheritance of Overflow Church and anybody who's who's friends of this ministry. Amen? So um, I, I just want you guys to know, Steve's part of our spiritual covering. Um, we're we're under, under the Bethel covering, and Steve's a huge part of that for us. Um, and so there's a verse that I want to read to you guys real fast. Jesus said this, so that kind of makes it a little bit important, I would think. It's Matthew 10, 41. It says, He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And I'm not saying this to call Steve a prophet, but the point of this is that when you recognize a divine mantle on somebody that the Lord wants to bless you through, that you get to determine how you want to honor that person. And the Lord wants to invite us to bring a higher level of honor than just a righteous man, but to see that there's a mantle of heaven on him that we get to receive from. So the, the way you honor someone is going to determine the floodgate of your heart and how you're going to receive the impartation of heaven's grace on their life. Amen? And so I, I've determined to have a, a wide gate for Steve Backlund. And, and Romans 1.11, I heard Steve quote this yesterday, but Paul was talking through a letter to the churches of Rome, and he said, I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. And, he, and this was through one of the most powerful letters, one of the most powerful epistles. Paul was saying, I actually want to come amongst you and to impart something to you. 
And I think that we would be wise for our own selves and for the future of this church even, that, that we choose to recognize Steve the way that the churches in Rome would have recognized Paul coming, that him actually coming to them has an impartation to release to the honor that's placed on him. Amen? And so with that posture, I want to invite you guys to welcome Steve up right now as he's coming to impart to us. Thank you so much. Wow. It's good to be at overflow. Things are overflowing today. Anybody sensing that? What a great service. What great worship today. And thank you, Jesse and Jessica. You're a couple of my heroes and love watching you and your leadership, your love for this people, your love for this region. This is a great region. This is a great region. I just took the words indie and I got this. This this is um, you are an in, you are influential Nehemiah's delighting Yahweh. That's what I that's what I heard. <laughs> influential Nehemiah's delighting Yahweh. All right, so if you don't know me, I'm on staff at Bethel Church in Redding, California. Been there since 2008. Met a guy named Bill Johnson. Some of you know him. Uh, in 1991, kind of got grafted into the family uh, in the 90s and worked in a department at Bethel called the Bethel Leaders Network. And uh, up to COVID, I traveled about half the year. Been in this region a number of times and uh, not traveling quite that much now. And we, my wife and I, we have a ministry called Igniting Hope Ministries, and we have an assignment to ignite hope. That's our assignment. And with hope comes all joy, uh, comes peace, and comes victorious mindsets. And we release practical ways to renew your mind, because uh, we're transformed, according to Romans 12, 2, we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're not transformed by trying harder. Mm hmm. Someone say, hmm. Mm. <laughs> uh, and and the, there's no hopeless circumstances. There's just people who do not have hope. I want to say that again. There's no hopeless circumstances. There's just people who do not have hope. Hope is an unstoppable force. If something's going to change, somebody has hope. Somebody believes the future will be better than the present, and they have the power to help make it so. That's what hope is. Hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, and they have the power to help make it so. I believe after love, hope is the most powerful leadership, influential quality there is. And I'm talking to leaders today. This is a room full of leaders. Some of you are already uh, manifesting that in great ways. And, and you're going to another level. See, I'm going to another level. Some of you are just at the beginning point and not, not realizing you're a great leader. 
You're like Gideon in the Old Testament. He didn't know he was a great leader. Judges 6. It's a great story. He was a great leader who didn't know he was a great leader. Mm -hmm. And it's so good. I mean, just one of the things that so powerful is when we recognize that our feelings and past experience don't, um, they're, they're not the indicators of what's true in our lives. I used to think that was it. Yep. My feelings define me. My past experience defines me. That thing got broken off. It's still getting broken off. By the way, it's getting broken off today. And I like to, in meetings that I do, I like to have people do two things. I like to have people say things, and I like to have people laugh at things. <laughs> and I remember I used to get irritated at worship leaders. <laughs> Never. Because <laughs> they would have me sing the same phrase over and over again. And, you know, like today, man, um, I mean, I, I, said, I was thinking as I, I was singing those phrases over and over, I was thinking in my mind, can't we move on? <laughs> <laughs> and the Lord says, that's the only way I can get you to say it. Wow. That's the only way I can give, get you to give me something to work with is if you're saying it with music. The only time you ever say something higher than what you're feeling and experiencing is if there's music. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm, I'm going to get you to say it without music. I mean, boy, that first song we said, man, just try to say this stuff without music. I'm going to sing in the middle of a storm. That's <laughs> Louder and louder. I'm not just going to sing. I'm going to sing loud. Come on. You're going to hear my praises roar. Man, i so loud. Everybody around me is going to hear me. <laughs> Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. Man, oh, man. Death is defeated. That's a pretty high statement. Mm-hmm. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing a little louder, louder than my unbelief. Man, I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do? When unbelief tries to get on me, I'm going to sing really loud. <laughs> and then we sing, what else do we sing? Uh, when you walk into the room, every hopeless situation ceases to exist. Man! That's a high statement. As I got my declaration clicker. Now, I've done about 140 already today. You helped me in worship in that offering reading. <laughs> I really appreciate it. So, I mean, every, every time I, I make a declaration, I carry this around because uh, you can't change your life without changing how you talk. And we've got to talk higher than what we're feeling and experiencing. We have to. At some point, we've got to do that. Or we'll just do laps in the wilderness. 
<laughs> I'm tired of laps. I mean, just, uh, yeah, so, like, every, why don't you just say this after me. Say, everywhere I go, revival breaks out. My prayers for my nation are working. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. Overflow Church is significant in worldwide revival. <laughs> So I, I got a book. I wrote one of the books I wrote is called Declarations, <clears throat> Unlocking Your Future. Uh, if you need biblical support, a six, 30 biblical reasons why we make declarations. Uh, answers six objections to declarations that people may say, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> Want to give it right here, sir? Woo! Yep. <laughs> what's, what's your name? Martin. Martin? Hey, Martin, you know what I hear over you? I hear that you, ha you are a minister of miracles. <laughs> and I hear, I, hear the, I hear the book of Acts is just going to explode in your spirit in this season. Yeah, there's a whole new wave of miracles. Yay. Uh, and I also like to get people to laugh at things. Why don't you guys just warm up your laughers? <laughs> So I wouldn't want anybody to laugh suddenly and pull a laugh muscle. <laughs> um, Bible says a merry heart is good like what? Medicine. And, and laughter is a powerful spiritual weapon that disempowers lies that create our negative strongholds. And because uh, to laugh, you have to let go of something. To laugh, you have to let go of something. And I know we don't laugh all the time. We weep with those who weep. And I've pastored for 17 years, sometimes just cry with people. I get that. But uh, laughter is a powerful weapon. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Laughter is one of the weapons that pulls down strongholds. Not the only one, but it's one of them. And like I say, to laugh, you have to let go of something. Now, I've been married... Uh, over 40 years to my lovely wife, Wendy, and, and we're best friends. We love each other, but we still don't always agree with each other. Let's laugh at that. Ha, ha, ha. And when we're not agreeing, especially when I think she's really wrong, I'm not laughing. Because if I laugh, she'll think things are okay. Wendy, things are not okay around here. I'm a victim of you. My joy depends on your behavior. For me to walk in biblical joy, Wendy, I need you to be doing what I think you should be doing. How many know when I finally laugh? <laughs> How many of you know I let go of that thing? 
Because you can't hold on to frustration and anger and laugh at the same time. You got to hold on to one or the other. And it's the same with lies. You can't hold on to pessimism, victim mindset, unworthiness, offense, shame, and laugh at the same time. Huh. You got to let go of one or the other. And because the joy is the Lord, my strength, uh, I need strength now, not at the end of the battle. So let me just give you some of the devil's favorite lies. And after I share each one, I want you to just do an experiment and laugh. You guys good? Uh, here's a good, here's one of, and we all hear the same lies, by the way. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has come upon you except which is common to man. And the greatest temptations we face is to believe lies. Not to do wrong. It's to believe lies. And because when Satan tempted Eve, the first thing that he did was to, for her to believe a lie about God. Let's start with this lie. Just give a hearty laugh on it. God loves you, but he does not like you. <laughs> here's, here's an all-time favorite lie of the enemy. You are a failure. <laughs> Let's give an extra laugh. On that. <laughs> you, you are a failure. <laughs> that's, that's funny. How about this one? God will not provide for your needs in the future. <laughs> here's, a, here's a lie that's... It's a kingpin lie. Things are only going to get worse in your life. <laughs> we all hear that one. <laughs> Here's a, a seasonal lie. It's a little bit longer, so you have to wait. To laugh. Just, <laughs> just wait to the end if you can. Okay, because of the coronavirus and political... <laughs> just, just, Lord, just release self-control over this guy right here. Because of the coronavirus, political unrest, and massive uncertainty for the future, you have already reached your lifetime's highest level of influence, and now your influence is just going to decline. <laughs> and then one of the devil's all-time favorite lies, laughter in the church is from the devil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Laughter cleans out the pipes, too. Man, just, uh, whoa. It's always a good meeting when your cheeks start hurting right here. 
So I want to share a message today on um, what to do when you face a problem. And I've got a, three great team members with me, and what I've got th this is a three-point message, and I'm going to bring them up after each point, and they're going to, because they each have an assignment uh, in praying over this region, the church, over the leaders, and, and, and there I'm also going to bring them up at the end as well. Um, and so this is their, their, by the way, why don't you guys stand? Just, uh, yeah, we got Rachel, Vico, and Michael. Yes. <clears throat> They're, they've been traveling with me. They're third-year students, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. We are at the end of about an 11-, 12-day tour of this region. We started in the Chicago area, went to Valparaiso, went to uh, Bristol, Indiana, up there by Elkhart, and uh, went to Coldwater, Michigan, and then came down here. And they've been doing such a great job serving and releasing things and and so they're going to help me today now what to do when you face a problem now i've looked in the dictionary and I said what's a what's the definition for problem <laughs> this is this is good <clears throat> it's a matter or situation regarded as unwelcome <laughs> 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 unwelcome <laughs> or harmful and needing to be dealt with and overcome it's a problem now in, in James 1 I did a series uh, I, did a, I have a message I did a long time ago when I was pastoring and just using the whole chapter of James 1 what to do with the problem because the whole chapter has got great things I'm going to pull three things out of it and, and just, um, and I want to, the, the three things I'm going to share today, what to, what to do when facing a problem is, one, is to stir up your joy, two, is to stir up your decisiveness, and three, is to stir up your victories. Now, in, it says in 2 Timothy 1, uh, 6 or, or 7, it says, uh, stir up the gifts that are in you. Stir them up. And so there, there's, there's times in our life where we just need to stir ourselves up. The psalmist said in Psalm 103, he said, uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Who's he talking to? Himself. Hey, soul, bless the Lord. And all that's within me, if there's anything else down there, you're going to bless the Lord too. So we stir it up. Now, in... James 1, so it starts out with verse 1, James, a bondservant of God. Just say, I'm a bondservant of God. <laughs> and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are scattered ahead, abroad, excuse me. Verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy. Hmm. Someone say, all joy. All joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, or another version says perseverance, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect or may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So the first thing that James says when you have a problem is to stir up your joy. And just to count it 
all joy when you fall into various trials. Say various trials. There's all kinds of trials that, that we can face in, in our lives. And, and I mean, this is, how many know this is a pretty radical approach? <laughs> and I like the word knowing. It's counted all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing. And there's something, if we know, if we have revelation, it will give purpose to our trial or our difficulty. And I'm not saying we should be passive and just uh, never resist the devil and just whatever comes will come. I, I do believe that the more the kingdom advances in our life, it is, it is the, the less sickness there will be, the less poverty there will be, the less disasters uh, as the kingdom advances. I, I, I believe that. And, and so I, I don't want to just create a passivity uh, in our lives. But we're, we're not fully there yet. And so we, we face various trials in our life. So to stir up our joy. And one of the ways that we can stir up our joy is realizing that the trials that we face usually have something in it that's connected to our prophetic destiny. And this is, this is what we know because... Uh, what, what's happening in us is more important than what's happening through us. My response to something is almost always more important than this something. This is a prophetic culture. Uh, this is a house that uh, releases prophetic words over people. The New Covenant prophetic ministry the basic ministry is speaking encouragement and identity and helping people see what's ahead for them. Again, it's what the angel did to Gideon in Judges 6. He gave him a prophetic word. The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And God got in there and says, you're going to save the nation from the Midianites. How many know that's a good prophetic word? Yeah. yeah. And, and so uh, the, the nature of, of prophetic... I mean, the, the specifics of our prophetic words may be different, but the general gist of every prophetic word we get is this. You are important, and God's got a good future for you. God's got good things ahead, important things ahead for you. And so prophetic ministry jolts us out of survivalism and, and, and propels us in the vision. Without a vision, the people perish. So the more vision I have for the future is the more power and purpose I have for the present. Because the prophetic, the prophetic, whether it's for us as an individual, for us as a church, the prophetic tells me that what's happening in my life right now is training for that. I'm in training. Just say, I'm in training. And so the, the various trials almost always have something in them to be extracted that's pointing to that. I used to be, uh, you know, as a young pastor in, in, in the 90s, I used to be uh, blockage-focused versus vision-focused. Let me explain that. I, I thought, I, I looked at all the reasons why it wasn't happening. I don't have enough money. 
I don't have enough people. I'm in a bad geographical location. <clears throat> I'm still battling emotional stuff. Um, yeah, uh, my, there's, my, there's things in my family that I wish were different. And, and I had this attitude that if those things were different, then, then I, I would thrive and I would be successful. Let's laugh at that. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> I, I believed I was at a disadvantage because of those things. And the Lord says, now, Steve, those things are not your blockage. They're your stepping stone. I remember I had a woman in the church, in my first church, who didn't like me. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> and we had a small church, and she would sit in church <clears throat> at times glaring at me, arms folded, Sending me body language that she disapproved of me. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. And I thought she was a blockage. I thought we can't have revival with her around. Ha <laughs> 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 So I was, you know, complaining to the Lord about her. It didn't, it, it, it didn't work well. And I, I'm talking to her. I said, Lord, why is she here? And I heard, Steve, she's here for you. She's here for you. Because you're going somewhere. You're going to learn more through her than all the people who think you're great. <laughs> you're going to learn how to love, how to forgive, how to speak the truth in love, how to set boundaries in relationships. How not to be emotionally manipulated by people. <clears throat> how, how not to dwell on unresolved relational situations in your life. Steve, you need to be excited she's with you. <laughs> uh, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> Steve, I want you to count it all joy she's with you. Because you're going somewhere. And you're in training right now. You're in training of how to do relationships. You're in training of how to, uh, how to think about people. You're in training to, to not be moved by everything that's not perfect around you. You're, you're in training. I remember the season when the Lord says, this is the season to deal with <clears throat> your, your discouragement. Because I just get discouraged all the time. He said, there's one common denominator in all this discouragement. It's you. <laughs> You're always involved. <laughs> and he said, for the rest of your life, there's going to be something to be discouraged about. Especially if you're a visionary. You vision. It's not happening yet! <laughs> and, and he said, uh, and I remember... He said, Steve, when, when you have that feeling of discouragement come on you, I want you to get excited. Because that, that moment is more important for you than getting slain in the spirit. So I remember, uh, you know, I'd be discouraged about things like low offerings. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> low offerings. <laughs> you know, that, that thing, I'd, I'd hear how, what the, that sinking, yeah. 
You know what I mean? You guys ever experienced that? Yeah. You know. and, and he says, where you're going, you can't take that thing with you. Because you're going somewhere. You're going somewhere. And, and so he, I mean, I did some radical things. And he just said, when you, they, I want you, at times I, I would leap for joy in my prayer meeting. I just, to break that stuff off me. <clears throat> Sing a little louder. <laughs> louder than the unbelief. And, you know, I, I, we would have maybe not people coming or not, you know, there'd be a spirit of heaviness that would be in the room. Let's just laugh at spirit of heaviness. <laughs> but I would just, I'd get excited. I'd get, no, that thing. Because the old thing I'd want to descend. That pattern. That trigger. Now, whoo, yes! I'm starting to feel discouraged. <laughs> this is exciting. <laughs> Woohoo! Because <laughs> I got resistance. And you can only get muscle by pushing against resistance. So we count it all joy. I stir up. You say, what do you do when you face a problem? You stir up your joy. And I don't do it perfectly right now, but, but I, I do it a lot better than I used to. You know, it, it, it's, I love, uh, it says in Luke 6.23, it says, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. I mean, the context of that is talking about if your name's cast out as evil, men hate you, rejoice in that day. Now, my goal is to rejoice in the day. That's my goal. Uh, you know, but it used to be I'd rejoice two weeks later. Yeah, maybe I should start finding out what God's really doing in me about this and get some thanks. And then I began to close the gap to one week. And then, whoo, two days. I was only discouraged for two days now. I celebrate because I'm growing. And so thank you, Lord, for stirring it up. Rachel, come on up. I'm going to do, yep, everybody say hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Um, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, what you're passionate about, and what you've overcome and are overcoming. Okay, I am passionate about family, healthy marriage, and seeing people walk in the fullness of what God has for them. And I've overcome fear, um, also living in a feeling like I was trapped in a box, not being who I was, who God called me to be, um, living under shame and guilt, and uh, perfectionism. Uh, you got, you have, what was your assignment? So my assignment was to give a word for this church. And I'm going to start by sharing this story. I read this story about, um, it was actually in Germany. It's going to be a little funny, but follow me. Um, there was this fat rat that was stuck in a sewage, uh, like a sewage gate, whatever. You, I can't think of the word right now. Anyways, um, they, great. Yes, thank you. They couldn't get it out, and so even animal rescuers came to get it out. They still couldn't get it out, so they sent fire, a whole group of firefighters. And I, for one fat rat sitting in the, and I thought, that, yeah, interesting, but when I read that, I thought, do we do this for people? Will we go after the one? And it was interesting what Darlene shared, because what I heard as it's for this church is that you are ones that go after the one, and I see hearts being pulled out of messes because you stick with them and give them family and a place to belong. 
you raise people um, to know who they are, as Darlene shared, as sons and daughters. I've, I feel confident sons and daughters that they are royalty. And you as a church are the light of the world, the city set on a hill cannot be hidden. It reminds me, um, when I was a kid, going to my grandparents' house, I would see this huge water tower, and it was like the sign that this were close to my grandparents' house. And you guys, as that stood out to me, is like, oh, we're getting close. It was something, you know, it stood above everything else. I know it doesn't in like a city, but it stood above everything else. And I see you guys standing out that you are a light, you are unique, um, and I see you guys being a beacon and people drawn into here, and I believe that there's gonna be expansion here, even in this, this building or space, there's expansion. Um, you're not afraid to be different, and people are drawn to that difference. And what, and what you carry as a church. You create family according to the kingdom. And then um, using Overflow Carmel, your name, this is what I heard, so it's gonna break acronym with the letters. Operating vibrantly, equipping radically fire leaders of wonder who, and then Carmel, collectively, actively release miracle and acting light. You are those that keep your wonder on, um, and the people that come in here, I, I see those that come in here learn to keep their wonder on, that there's not, they're raised up and sent out. And I see you guys impacting the spheres. And even before Steve had said, you're Nehemiahs, I heard that, that you're Nehemiahs, builders that push past obstacles, naysayers, and anything that tried to divert you on the journey. Your light releases miracles to this area. And then lastly, I saw the countries, I mentioned this yesterday, the countries that will be impacted through this body are Japan, Indonesia, Ecuador, and Colombia. That's what I was sensing. So just bless you guys. You are. Wow. Mighty, mighty leaders. You guys received that? Man, that's a good prophetic word. All right, so we're talking about what to do when you face a problem. Number one is you stir up your joy. And by the way, just people, um, even frustrations, Sometimes, in the frustrations you're facing right now is a key for where you're going. And the question is, God, what are you doing in me concerning that? You can answer that question. It'll give you a purpose for the season. So number two is you stir up your decisiveness. And... James 1, 5 through 8, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Say, it will be given to me. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For not let that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That, those verses used to discourage me and depress me. <laughs> but God never has something in Scripture to discourage and depress you. There, in, in, in this, I believe, in these four verses, there's a secret door into personal stability and emotional wholeness. And it's interesting that uh, it, it says if you, if, you don't, if you lack wisdom, you don't know what to do, that ask God. And he's going to, you're going to know what to do. Why don't you just say, I always know what to do. <laughs> it's amazing. Those who believe they always know what to do, always know what to do. <laughs> it's kind of how that works. We always believe first, and then we see. 
And so there's an invitation here to decisiveness. And, and there, there's, even in this meeting, I hear the Lord is breaking off double-mindedness, doubt, confusion, lack of confidence, uh, and, and releasing decisiveness. And, and this is, um, and I, I used to be a very poor decision maker because I was so afraid of doing something wrong. And I was so unsure of myself. And I had a slave mindset rather than a son mindset. And I was constantly just waiting for a command. And, you know, I have grown children and I don't, you know, I don't, what would you think if they called me and said, hey, Dad, I'm in the vegetable department, and I don't know whether to buy Hunt's or Del Monte corn. <laughs> Give me a command. Now, I'd say, listen, you're powerful. You can figure this thing out. You, you, you can figure this out. And, and so just in the whole thing about decision-making, and, you know, how we make decisions is more important than the decisions that we make. How we make decisions is more important than the decisions that we make. You know, if we're making reactive, fear-based decisions, running from things rather than running to things, uh, that's not going to work out well. And, and the Lord is just, he, one of the things he does in, in, in maturing us and when we have a problem and we're facing a problem is how we decide what to do about that is crucial. And the first place to start is that we're going to know what to do. It's the belief, I will know what to do. Just say it again, I will know what to do. <laughs> Let's just laugh at this. In key decisions that you, you need to make now and in the future, you will not know what to do. <laughs> and if you make the wrong decision, God won't know what to do. <laughs> it's a fascinating verse in Romans 14:5. It says, uh, "One person esteems one day, and another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind." Say, "Fully convinced." And it's talking about basically Sabbath. Hey, you think it's Saturday, do the best job you know how to do, be fully convinced. You think it's every day, be fully convinced. Two people can have two different opinions on that uh, and, and, and both be right. Now, there's certain things in the Bible, obviously, that are black and white. That you, because, you know, uh, let me put it this way, uh, and I'll explain this. A bad decision made in faith has a greater likelihood of success than a good decision made in doubt. A bad decision made in faith has a greater likelihood of success than a good decision made in doubt. Again, I'm not talking about sinning in faith. I'm not talking about robbing a bank in faith. <laughs> but there's so many things that God says, you figure it out. You do the best job you know how, get the word, get wisdom and a multitude of counselors, uh, just get your God stories about prophetic words, etc., cetera, uh, and, and then decide. And most decision-making is concluding. 
I, I, most of us don't hear an audible voice. In Acts 16, Paul's trying to get into Bithynia and Mysia, and it says the Spirit, Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus forbid him from going in. He was trying to do something and couldn't. And then he had a vision from people from Macedonia who were asking him to come. I love the way it says in the New King James, it says Paul concluded he was to go to Macedonia. Most decision-making is concluding. We, we clarify our options about what we can do. Option A, B, C. We put all the logical reasons why each option is a good option or not. We put in wisdom. We put in what the word says, wisdom from key people in our lives, uh, dreams, prophetic words, etc., cetera, and, and, and ask God for wisdom. And then we just get excited because we know we're going to know what to do. And then, whoo, yeah, I can't, I, Lord, yeah, what, what are we going to do? And, and, and we just, because, let me put it this way. How many of you know, like, when you order a package and you get a tracking number, when I see my tracking number, I release my faith over it. <laughs> and, 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 and I say to myself, I have, it's coming. <laughs> say, it's coming. You know, it would be stupid if I ordered something and I got a tracking number and then an hour later look out my door and say, this is not working. I'm going to go order it again. Yep, let's laugh at that. <laughs> no, I got a tracking number, James 1.5. I'm, I'm going I'm to know what to do. I've asked God. It's coming. So I got my options, and then I just get excited. Woohoo! God, I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait for how you're going to show me. Can't wait for what you're going to do. Because if we even got a problem we're facing, we, we, we just say, God, thank you. I'm going to have wisdom to know what to do about this thing. Family situation, financial, national. Yeah, mm -hmm, here's all my options of how I can respond. Here's the different things I could do about this. And, and, and then I'm in a process of, of, if I don't know what to do, I know I am going to know what to do. Just say it again. I always know what to do. So we stir up our decisiveness. And once we, once we have a God story, and by the way, the greater the risk we take, is the greater the God story we need. I mean, Joseph, his fiance comes and says, uh, hey, uh, Joseph, I'm pregnant. How? And then it says he's going to put her away privately. In other words, we're going to get rid of this crazy woman. And then he has a dream. And the dream was that the God story was so powerful that it caused him to do the illogical by sticking with her. And that's, again, the greater the risk is the greater the story we need. And so just uh, this whole thing about decision-making, we clarify our options, and then we see the God story in one of the options, and then we attach faith to it. And the bigger the decision, I, I tell the Lord this, if I'm making a big decision... Uh, I say, hey, God, I'm, I'm deciding to do this. I'm concluding based on this process. This is what you're saying. And I say, God, I'll give you a week to change my mind. 
But you can only change my mind with a new God story, not through negative emotions or circumstances. And then I decide, and then I attach faith. I attach faith. And I believe the Lord's told me to do this. And just even now, the Lord's just, um, there, there's something happening. There's, some, there's people within the sound of my voice, somebody online, uh, you have a major decision, and you're going to know what to do. You're going to know what to do. And, and thank you, Lord, for just increasing decisiveness in us. Take us on that journey. Vico, why don't you come on up? Everybody say, hi, Vico. He, his name is really Victor, but we like to call him Vico. By the way, Vico and Rachel are married. They've been married four years. They've been such a blessing on this. So here's the questions. Where are you from? What are you passionate about? What have you overcome or are overcoming? And then what word do you have? Okay, I'm, well, I'm from Mexico, Mexico City. I am passionate for uh, leadership and uh, influence. Uh, the the social society? the society yeah thank you <laughs> uh, and I will become the yeah the main is the fear of man yeah amen, what amen. You, what's your assignment well my assignment is to have a word for the region for mm. Indianapolis for the region so <clears throat> what I hear is this is an influence region. I hear, you know, in the, in the beginning when um, Jesse uh, said, or, or somebody said, like, uh, say, turn to your neighbor and say, aloha, aloha. You know, the first picture that I got is, uh, it was a, a, a volcano. You know, in the Hawaiian region, they have a lot of volcanoes. And, and I see, I see, People raising up over here, being like influenced, and then start to pour like this lava, you know, get covered the region, start to pour. And it is like creating like over layer, solid, that they're gonna, they're gonna uh, you know, go more than just one generation. They're gonna go more, better. It, it, it creates a solid foundation. And then it, it just wow. advance slowly, but go all the time. It, it creates fusion, you know. Uh, there's materials that they just get uh, melted, but they get, uh, make it this fusion, you know. Yeah. There's materials that they just burn out. And that is, that's what I see that it is you guys doing this. And I have this verse for you. Um, it's an uh, Isaiah 6, 7, oh, 61, 7, sorry. It's instead of your shame, I will, re I will, I will, no, sorry. Instead of your shame, you will receive double portion. Yes. Instead of disagree, <laughs> disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. So you will inherit double portion and your land wow. your land everlasting joy you will will be yours. <laughs> everlasting joy? 
lot of joy. Thank you for that, Vico. Yeah, we bless this region. This is a revival region. All right, so what do you do when you face a problem? You stir up your joy, stir up your decisiveness, and then you stir up your victories. Stir up your victories. Go to verse 12 of uh, James 1. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation uh, or overcomes, is really what the emphasis there. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And, and there's a, when we stir up our victories, and, and really what the, the crown of life that is mentioned here, just say crown of life. Now, a crown of life represents authority in an area that you've overcome in. And, you know, the devil hates a lot of verses. <laughs> he hates a lot of Bible verses. But I think there's one he really hates. It's Romans 8.28. Where it says, what's it say? And some things work together for good? <laughs> All things work together for good for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Now, I, I don't think about the devil a lot, but I was thinking about him a while back. And I, I've come up with a, a biography title for the devil. It's this. It backfired again. <laughs> it backfired again. <laughs> I mean, here's the regular story that happens in hell all the time. Yeah, we don't have to worry about her anymore. It's all over. And then six months later, boom, a bomb hits hell. What was that? Uh, well, Mr. Devil, do you remember the one you said we don't have to worry about anymore? Well, the things that have happened to her have, have actually turned to good. And she's stronger than ever. And that bomb that hit us was from her. <laughs> I mean, the ultimate backfire was when... The devil thought he, he crucified, he killed Jesus. <laughs> he thought he killed him. <laughs> I mean, if he really would have got it, he, he would have said this, kill the Jews, kill the Romans. Don't let it, Jesus die. Because if he dies, I'm not only have one, uh, I, I had one problem, now I'm going to have millions of them. You have millions of problems. But he didn't get it. I can imagine, you know, just them throwing a party in hell after Jesus died and, you know, playing the song, It Is Finished. And, um, and then there's a knock on hell's door. <laughs> and the door opens uh, and, and Jesus says, I want the keys back. Yeah, I want the keys back that Adam and Eve gave you. Because I'm giving the keys to my church. Whoo! I mean, that's the ultimate backfire. That's the ultimate backfire. But but it's the it's a backfire um, in, in our lives 
uh, of what our greatest struggle is, is usually our greatest area of authority in releasing life to others in. Because, you know, our, our, it's really because our current battle isn't about ourselves. It's about people influence. And, you know, the reason I've got a message of hope and joy is because of my own struggle with it. It's not that, yeah, you know, I came out of the womb. <laughs> yep, it's a, there's hope for everything. <laughs> Didn't come out of the womb. Let's just laugh at that. <laughs> I didn't come out, I mean, just my own struggle, you know, I mean, I can just see, let's just, let's just heap more lies on Steve, you know, let's just, he, he tends to like to believe there's something uniquely wrong with him lying, let's just keep pumping that one on him, and, you know, the lie, he's, he, you're a failure, uh, you know, the best you can hope for is average, let's just keep, let's just keep that on him. And that, you know, he's less than all other leaders and everything. Yeah, let, he, he believes that a lot. Let's keep that on him as well. Ha uh ha. -huh. But it backfired. It backfired. And, and my greatest struggle has become my greatest strength. Because I got a crown of life in it. And, you know, I mean, whether, whether it's addictive behaviors, whether it's family dysfunction, whether it's financial poverty, uh, whether, whether it's emotional things, uh, just, you know, physical limitations, whatever it is, that struggle has in it the, a, a key for you uh, for your influence in the future. We stir up our victories. We stir up what God has done in us. That's why I ask the team, uh, and, and I'll ask Michael as well when he comes on up, what have you overcome or are overcoming? Because if you can answer that question, that's the area that you have authority and life in. And when you start giving it away and you stir up your victories and focus more on what's right with you than what's wrong with you, the more you do that, then the more authority that you have and the more you give it away in, in that area is the more strength you get in your own life. And you don't need to be perfect to start giving it away. Some of you just need to start, you know, a Facebook group. You need to do a book reading club. You, 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 some of you need to start that book or finish that book on, on what you've overcome and are overcoming. Because the more you talk about it, it's the more revelation you'll get. The more you, 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 just, you just start, because all of it is, all my message is, is just sharing what I believe God's shown me and done. It's not, you know, just what, hey, I felt like he said this, uh-huh, you know. Yeah, I had this a difficult woman in the church. I felt like God said this, and that, that's, that's where I've overcome. And I just share that, and it gives hope to people. Because people can connect with you in that area because you're not coming in as talking down to people. You are coming underneath people to lift them up. So this whole thing about stirring up your victories. Um, you know, just uh, what, I, wanna, I want you to do something right now. Uh, and, and I want you just, if you can, and if you've got a neighbor that you can say this to, 
Um, <clears throat> you can say to them, if you don't, you can just talk to yourself. <laughs> I wrote a book, You're Crazy If You Don't Talk to Yourself. It's out there. But I mean, just, why don't you just turn to your neighbor just for um, 30 seconds and talk, say one thing you've overcome or are overcoming. And just see if you can put language to that. Just take a moment right now. All right, just start to wrap it up. Yes. Man, that's exciting. That's exciting. And that, boy, to actually pull that out of us? Whoo! That's a good thing. All right, hey, Michael, why don't you come on up? Everybody say, hi, Michael. Yes. Michael, why don't you share uh, who you are, where you're from, uh, and what you're passionate about, and what you're overcoming or are overcoming. My name is Michael from Texas. Um, passions are flow, <laughs> flow, uh, creativity, just the authenticity that's on people's lives, the internal thumbprint. You know, if you if you have your own thumbprint, it's, it tells it's you're significant. You know, there's nobody else like you, and there will never be anybody else like you. And so there's an internal thumbprint that I have a strong passion to see people recognize what that is and live that out to its fullest extent. Um, overcoming, um, yeah, I, I, I moved from Texas. I was a doctor there of chiropractic. I had my own clinic and everything when I moved it. And I always had, I realized when I got here that I always had this uh, fear of not knowing. Um, like what if somebody asked me a question I didn't know, you know? <laughs> and I also had, this issue with identity, putting identity in something that I did uh, as a chiropractor. Uh, somebody would ask me, I'd say, I'm a chiropractor. But then when that disappeared, I was like, ooh. And I started realizing how much identity I was putting in things that I did instead of sonship. And so those are things that I've walked through, overcome, and still, still, you know, st st trying to step into it fully. Mm. Mm. What's your assignment? Uh, Jess and Jessica. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, as, as I was praying over you, um, I saw a word written over you as reformers, mm -hmm. and then I just saw this thing uh, unfold before me, visionally. I don't know. I, I'd love you to close your eyes. I, I know. I know Jess already is, but just to imagine what what you're seeing and what I saw. Um, I saw you as reformers, and you know I, I spoke the word John seven thirty eight, uh, from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water, and um, you are like an aqua man and an aqua woman. You were born for the water. You were born for the river, and I saw this scene as I was asking about you. I saw this scene, and you had you had walked into this land, and when you looked out over the land, um, it was like an orchard. But the problem with the orchard was it, there was there was no fruit because everything had been cut down. And it was like a, a vast array of tree stumps. And, and the funny thing was next to the tree stumps, there was just pitchforks laying on the ground. 
And I saw y'all as you all walked around, you were trying to conclude like, what, what happened here? And as you, as you reached down, you grabbed a pitchfork and as soon as you did, it turned into a trident. A trident, a trident. So if you've ever seen Aquaman, the trident was a symbol of authority. It was a symbol of what they carried, that there was a kingship and a rulership and authority that was on their life. And, and as soon as you picked up the trident, um, I, I began to hear Ezekiel 37. And you had realized that what had happened here was that accusations, um, dreams that once were there that were meant to bear fruit had begun, those acts that had come and begin to chop those things down. And as you grab the trident, you realize that there was an authority there, and you begin to speak, and the river of water began to flow from, uh, it was a prophesy. And the Lord was saying, will you prophesy to the tree stumps? And as you begin to prophesy, both of you begin to prophesy, I begin to see the trees begin to grow. The stumps begin to, to turn into trunks, and the trunks begin to turn into branches, and the branches begin to, to flourish with leaves and fruits. And as that began to happen, um, they begin to turn into individuals, and you actually took the pitchfork that turned into a trident, and you handed it up, the authority that they had back over to them, and you would say to them, you were born for the water. You were born for the river. And tree after tree after tree after tree after tree began to flourish because you began to speak. And, and just like in Ezekiel 47, it said that the river began to rise. It began to rise. It began to rise until it was overflowing over their heads, over the banks. And this is what I see. I just see that as tributaries come down into rivers, your words are actually like a heartbeat. And they're pumping back up. Uh, against the flow like the river is sending flows out it's sending tributaries out and the words that you're speaking are causing these trees to begin to flourish and I just saw like trucks coming in with like oversized load stickers on the back of them because there was such a harvest that was coming forth there's so a magnitude of fruits and, and, you know, you can't have a harvest if you don't have a barn. You don't have a structure to put it into. And I just saw the barn doors being, being just blasted open. And people coming and saying, what's going on here? There's such a harvest. There's such fruit. And so I just bless you that the grace that's on your life, for the reformation that's on your life, that you're reformers, and that when you speak, people are going to get a reformation in their body and who they are, and they're going to reconnect with the authority, the internal thumbprint that God's placed on them. There's such an authority that's going to flow through you, and you're going to be dispersing people into the nations into the nations, and they're going to begin to carry that same authority in Jesus' name. Yeah. Someone say, wow, wow. We bless your leadership. We bless what God's doing in you. We say thank you. Proud of you guys. Proud of you, and just release a blessing just from Bethel and as a father in this movement upon you guys and upon this ministry and this region. And thank you, Lord, just for even the, this, what we shared today about, you know, what to do when facing a problem. We stir up our joy. Thank you for just a release uh, of joy. And thank you for helping us see purpose in the challenge of where we're going because we're a prophetic people. Thank you, Lord, for stirring up our decisiveness. Thank you, Lord, that the, you are going to take us on the journey. Thank you that we have a tracking number. Thank you that uh, we can't wait, Lord, for you to show us what to do. And thank you for the empowerment to do what you show us. And, and we stir up our victories.
we stir up where we're having victory, growing victory, and we say, thank you, Lord, we have a crown of life in that area, and thank you that that's leading us into a place of influence, and there's, a, there's people that you've assigned for us in that area. In Jesus' name. You guys receive this? Thanks for listening to the Weekly Overflow Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information, visit OverflowIndy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy.